After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih the fifth Ayyadahullah Ta'ala bin Israel Aziz stated that accounts from the life of Hazrat Umar Ta'ala were being narrated in the previous sermons and I will continue to do so today as well. Whilst mentioning Hazrat Umar Ta'ala's detachment of worldly things and his piety, Hazrat Hafsa bint Umar ta'ala relates that she once said to her respected father that, O leader of the faithful, and in another narration it is mentioned that she addressed him in the following manner, that, O my father, Allah has increased your provisions and has granted you victories and has also given you wealth in abundance. Why then do you not choose to eat food which is softer than the food you eat? And why do you not wear garments made of a softer material than the ones you wear. Upon this, Hazrat Umar replied that I will ask you to make the decision in this regard. Do you not remember how many hardships the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had to endure during his life? The narrator of this tradition states that Hazrat Umar continuously reminded Hazrat Hafsa of this so much so that Hazrat Hafsa began to cry. Following this, Hazrat Umar stated that by Allah, as long as I have the strength to do so, I will continue to partake of the hardships endured by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and Hazrat Abu Bakr so that perhaps through this I may be able to join them in their life of comfort. In one narration it is also mentioned that Hazrat Umar said to Hazrat Hafsa that, O Hafsa, daughter of Umar, you have sought the welfare of your nation, but have not sought the welfare of your father. In other words, you have advised me to do such and such, as I would be able to serve my nation better by doing so. However, this does not concern my welfare. Following this, Hazrat Umar stated that my family has a right only over my life and my wealth, but they do not have any right over my faith and what I have been entrusted with. In other words, they did not have the right to say anything about him in relation to what had been entrusted to him and how he was to fulfill that responsibility. And they did not have any right to say anything to him in this regard. 
Hazrat Ikrimah bin Khalid relates that Hazrat Hafsa, Hazrat Abdullah and some other individuals were speaking to Hazrat Umar and stated that if you eat better food, you will be stronger while serving for the cause of the truth. Upon this, Hazrat Umar stated that do all of you hold the same opinion? They all replied in the affirmative. Upon this, Hazrat Umar stated that I have understood that you may seek my welfare, but I left both of my friends in other words, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and Hazrat Abu Bakr on this very path. And if I do not adopt the same path as them, then I will not be able to meet them at the final destination. Hazrat Muslim states that the era of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was one in which they faced fear and danger and we can learn lessons from the commandments he gave the Muslims at that time. It was the practice of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and he had also advised others as well to not prepare more than one dish for food. Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala was mentioning this in one of his sermons in relation to tariq e Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala further states, that the guidance of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was not to make more than one dish, and he emphasized this to such a degree that some of the companions adopted a very extreme attitude in this regard. On one occasion, vinegar and salt were placed before Hazrat Umar and he inquired as to why two dishes had been presented, since the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had instructed that there should only be one dish. The people mentioned to Hazrat Umar that these were not two separate dishes, but in fact the salt and vinegar combined to form one dish. However, Hazrat Umar did not accept this and stated that they were in fact two separate dishes. And though there was an element of an extreme attitude in this act of Hazrat Umar owing to his intense love for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. However, this perhaps was not what the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, meant. But nevertheless, this incident shows how much emphasis he placed on this in view of the fact that the Muslims needed to adopt simplicity. Hazrat Muslim further states, that I do not make the same kind of demand from you as Hazrat Umar did, and I do not state that salt is to be counted as a separate dish from vinegar. However, I do ask of you that for the next three years from today, during the course of which I shall make a yearly announcement, so that if the situation of fear transforms, then this instruction shall also change. And the instruction is that every Ahmadi who wishes to partake in this battle with us he should pledge to only eat one dish, that is, roti and broth or rice and broth. These do not count as two separate dishes, rather they both combine to form one dish. However, it is not permitted for one to prepare two broths to eat with their roti or rice. This was during the time when the tehreek jadid scheme was announced, and at the time the Jamaat was in need of resources and so it was announced that one ought to reduce their expenses and donate them towards their chanda. But now, by the grace of Allah the Almighty, the conditions have changed, and therefore this restriction is no longer required. 
But even then, one should not indulge in extravagances. Then, whilst expounding upon the verse, وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا أَنْفَقُوا لَمْ يُسْرِفُوا وَلَمْ يَقْتَرُوا وَكَانَ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ قَوَامًا Hazrat Muslim Aud radiyallahu ta'ala anhu states that Allah the Almighty states that if one wants to become a true servant of Allah then it is necessary for them to consider two factors when spending their wealth. Firstly, one should not indulge in extravagances. Eating food is not for the sole purpose of luxury and delight. Rather, it is to attain strength, power and enable the body to continue functioning. And likewise, when one wears clothes, it is not to show others. Rather, it is to cover one's body and in order to preserve one's dignity which Allah the Almighty has granted to humankind. And the example of the companions demonstrates that this is exactly what they practice. Once, Hazrat Umar travelled to Syria and the companions there were wearing silk clothes. By silk clothes, it means garments which had some silk on it because to wear a garment made purely from silk is forbidden unless one is exempt due to an illness. Upon this, Hazrat Umar instructed his companions to throw sand at them. In other words, he was extremely displeased by this act of theirs. He then stated that have you become so accustomed to luxuries that you have started wearing silk clothes? Upon this, one of the companions took off his upper garment and showed that he was wearing another heavy garment beneath it which was made of thick wool. He then stated to Hazrat Umar that we have not worn these silk clothes because we like them. Rather, it is a custom among the people of this country. And right from their childhood, these people are accustomed to see their leaders living in a very grandiose and spectacular manner. Thus, in view of the political traditions of the country, we have also worn such clothes, but we have not come under their influence in any way. Thus, the practice of the companions shows what is meant by overindulgence. It means that one should not spend their wealth on such things which they are not in need of and it's merely done as a form of luxury and lavishness. Hence, God Almighty states that the true servants of Allah are those who do not waste their wealth and nor spend it ostentatiously. Rather, they spend it on that which is helpful and beneficial. Secondly, one should not hold back from spending their wealth where it is deemed necessary to spend one's wealth. In other words, where one can be of benefit if they spend their wealth. Thus, one should not spend their wealth in a manner which is contrary to the will of Allah the Almighty. And secondly, one should not abstain from spending their wealth whereby they are not even fulfilling their due rights. These are two conditions in relation to spending one's wealth in order to become a true servant of Allah. However, there are many people who either spend excessively or then they are extremely miserly. Hazrat Umar was so against lavish and extravagant clothing that he did not even like it if an enemy who had been captured was brought before him in such clothing. This has been mentioned in detail in the incident relating to the Persian commander Hurmazan. And though I have previously explained this incident, however, I shall mention some details from it in order to explain the matter. It is said 
that when Tustar was conquered, Hurmazan, who was the commander of the Persian forces, surrendered himself over to the Muslims. Subsequently, he was then sent to Hazrat Umar in Medina. However, before entering Medina, the Muslims who were taking him put his silk garments on him so that Hazrat Umar and the other Muslims could see him in his true state. And so, when Hurmazan appeared before Hazrat Umar he inquired whether this was Hurmazan. The people replied in the affirmative. Following this, Hazrat Umar carefully observed him and his garments and then stated, I seek refuge in Allah the Almighty from the fire and I seek help from Allah the Almighty. People who brought him mentioned that this was Hurmazan and that Hazrat Umar should speak to him. However, Hazrat Umar stated that he would certainly not speak to him until he removed his lavish and extravagant garments and his jewellery. When all of this was removed, it was then that Hazrat Umar spoke to him. Hazrat Umar level of humility and righteousness can be gauged from the following incident. Hazrat Urwa bin Zubair narrates that he saw Umar bin al-Khattab carrying water skin on his shoulder. Upon this, he submitted, O leader of the faithful, this does not behove you. Hazrat Umar replied that when the various delegations from different countries arrived whilst demonstrating their utmost obedience, a sense of self-importance developed in my heart. And thus, in order to remove this feeling from me, I decided to carry this water skin. Hazrat Yahya bin Abdir Rahman bin Hatib relates from his father that they were once returning from Makkah in the company of Hazrat Umar and they stopped upon reaching the valleys of Zajnan. Zajnan is the name of a place which is situated about 25 miles from Makkah. He further narrates that Hazrat Umar then stated that at this place I can still recall the time when I would tend to the camels of my father Khattab. He was a man of a very stern disposition and I would take the camels laden with sticks and thereafter I would take them with grass placed upon them. However, today my condition is such that people travel far and wide in my land and there is no one above me. In other words, that I am a ruler of a vast and expansive land in which people travel a great distance and come and meet me and that also there is no other ruler in this world who rules over me. After this, Hazrat Umar then recited the following couplet That is, whatever you can see has no reality to it, apart from being a temporary source of joy. And one's wealth and progeny will come to an end, and it is only God Almighty who lives forever. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih I states in relation to this, that once Hazrat Umar was returning from Hajj and he stopped under a tree. Huzefa, who had a very informal relationship with Hazrat Umar, took courage and inquired as to why Hazrat Umar had stopped there. Upon this, Hazrat Umar stated that there was a time when I would tend to a camel of mine and once my father scolded me under this tree. And today my condition is such that let alone camels, hundreds of thousands of people are ready to sacrifice their lives if I was to command them by the mere indication of my eyes. 
In relation to this, Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala states, that is it not an astonishing fact that a person who had once heard camels became a great king? Not only was he granted a worldly kingdom, but a spiritual one too. And this indeed was Hazrat Umar Ta'ala who would tend to the camels in his earlier years. On one occasion, he went to perform the Hajj and on the way he stood at a particular place. The heat was extremely intense and people were greatly affected by it. However, no one had the courage to ask why he was standing there. Eventually, a companion who was a close friend of Hazrat Umar, and he would often ask Hazrat Umar about the outbreak of fitna, was approached by the people to ask Hazrat Umar as to why he was stood at that particular place. Subsequently, he submitted to Hazrat Umar that proceed ahead, why have you stopped here? Upon this, Hazrat Umar stated that the reason why I have stopped here is because once I was herding the camels and took some rest under this tree owing to exhaustion. And my father came and hit me saying, that did I send you so you could sit here and sleep? Thus such was my condition. But after having accepted the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, God Almighty elevated me to such a rank that if today I were to command hundreds of thousands of people, they would be willing to sacrifice their lives for me. From this incident and various other incidents like this, reveals the previous condition of the companions. But after following the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, their conditions completely transformed and they attained such a rank and knowledge which no one else possessed. Hazrat Muslim Aud further states, The reason I have narrated this account is that one ought to ponder how a person who used to herd camels was granted such spiritual and worldly knowledge that no one else could fathom. One should ponder that on the one hand there was a time when Hazrat Umar would tend to camels and sheep, which is something that is perceived not to even remotely be associated with knowledge. And then, on the other hand, came a time where the people of Europe, who have a deep understanding of the laws and principles of governance, show great admiration of the laws and legislations designed by Hazrat Umar What connection is there between one who tends to camels and a ruler? However, Hazrat Umar accomplished such feats that the world looks at him with great respect and praises his governance. Moreover, look at the example of Hazrat Abu Bakr, who was an ordinary merchant. However, today the world is astonished as to how he attained such wisdom, intellect and thinking. However, I tell you that he attained everything from the Holy Qur'an. He pondered over the Holy Qur'an and thus he learnt all that which the entire world was bereft of. This is because the Holy Qur'an is such a tool that if one cleanses their heart with it, their heart will be so purified that it begins to reflect every aspect of secular knowledge and a door is open for such an individual that no one is then able to stop the knowledge that is revealed upon one's heart. Thus, it is important for every individual to strive in reading and pondering over the Holy Qur'an. Then, with regards to Hazrat Umar Allah's humility and humbleness, there is a narration from Jubair bin Nufair who states that a group of people said to Hazrat Umar that, O leader of the faithful, by Allah, we have not seen anyone more just and truthful and firm against the hypocrites than yourself. Indeed, after the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, you are the best among us. Orf bin Malik said to the person who said this, that by Allah, you have lied. Verily, we have seen the best person among us after the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. In other words, the one better than Hazrat Umar Upon this, Hazrat Umar asked, O Orf, who is that person? To which he replied, Abu Bakr. 
Upon this, Hazrat Umar stated that Orf has spoken the truth and about the person who said the earlier statement that he had lied. He then said that by Allah, Abu Bakr was even purer than the scent of musk and I am even more lost than the camels at home. Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala states that in the hadith it is mentioned that on one occasion Hazrat Umar and Hazrat Abu Bakr had a disagreement about something which intensified. Hazrat Umar had a rather impassioned nature and for this reason Hazrat Abu Bakr thought it was wise to leave the place, lest the matter worsens. When Hazrat Abu Bakr tried to leave, Hazrat Umar stepped forward and held onto his cloak, implying that he must answer him before leaving. When Hazrat Abu Bakr managed to release himself, his cloak ripped. Hazrat Abu Bakr left from there and went home. However, Hazrat Umar suspected that perhaps Hazrat Abu Bakr would complain about him to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And so he followed him so that he could present his viewpoint as well. However, along the way, Hazrat Umar lost sighting of Hazrat Abu Bakr. And Hazrat Umar thought that perhaps Hazrat Abu Bakr went to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to complain about him. And so he went straight to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. But when Hazrat Umar went to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Hazrat Abu Bakr was not present. But since Hazrat Umar regretted what he had done, he submitted that, O Messenger of Allah, I have committed an error and I treated Abu Bakr harshly. Hazrat Abu Bakr is not to blame and it is all my fault. When Hazrat Umar had gone to see the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, someone informed Hazrat Abu Bakr that Hazrat Umar went to complain to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, about him. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr thought to himself that he should also go and clear the matter lest only one side of the case was presented. Therefore, he would go and present his side of the story as well. When Hazrat Abu Bakr reached the gathering, at the time Hazrat Umar was saying that, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, I have made a mistake. I quarrelled with Hazrat Abu Bakr and ripped his cloak. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, heard this, anger could be seen in his expression. And he stated that, O people, what is the matter with you? When the entire world rejected me and opposed me, including all of you, at that time it was only Abu Bakr who accepted me and helped me in every way. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then said in a sorrowful tone, that will you not let Abu Bakr and myself be even now? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was saying these words when Hazrat Abu Bakr entered. This, i.e. what occurred thereafter, is the example of true love. Because instead of saying that it was all Umar's fault and not his fault, when Abu Bakr entered and saw that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was displeased, as his true lover, he could not bear to see the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in pain because of him. For this reason, as soon as Abu Bakr came in, he sat down on his knees before the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and submitted, O Messenger of Allah, it is not Umar's fault, but it is my fault. Hazrat Umar narrates that he once asked the people about the blood money in the case of an abortion. Mughira stated that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had said that one should free a male or female slave as blood money. Hazrat Umar then said to bring someone who would corroborate this matter he had just mentioned. Muhammad bin Maslama confirmed that he was in the presence of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and that is what he had said. 
That is, if one is guilty of oppression or cruelty which leads to a miscarriage, or if one forces a woman to have an abortion, then that person must give blood money. And whosoever has committed this injustice has to pay the blood money which is to free a male or female slave. Hazrat Abu Sa'id narrates that Abu Musa Ashri came to visit Hazrat Umar anhu and sought permission saying that peace be upon you, do I have permission to enter? Hazrat Umar anhu thought to himself that he has only asked permission once. And so, after remaining silent for a short while, Abu Musa again said that peace be upon you, do I have permission to enter? Hazrat Umar replied to his greeting in his heart and then thought to himself that he has only sought permission twice. And after waiting for a little while longer, Abu Musa actually sought permission again saying that peace be upon you, do I have permission to enter? And so, after having sought permission two or three times from Hazrat Umar Abu Musa Ashri then left. In other words, when Abu Musa Ashri sought permission to enter three times and did not hear a reply from Hazrat Umar he decided to leave. Hazrat Umar then asked the doorkeeper that what did Abu Musa do? Upon this he replied that he had left. Hazrat Umar said for Abu Musa to be brought before him and when he came before Hazrat Umar he asked him that what did you do? To this he replied that I have acted in accordance with the Sunnah. Hazrat Umar replied that Sunnah by Allah you will have to prove this that this was an act of Sunnah otherwise I will deal with you severely. Abu Sayyid Khudri further narrates that Abu Musa then came to us and at the time we were sat with a group of Ansar. Abu Musa Ashri stated that, O Ansar, is there anyone who would know the saying of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him more than you? Did the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him not say, Al-Istizanu Salas, that is, I one can seek permission up to three times and if one is granted permission then they may enter the house and if they are not given permission, then they should return. Upon hearing this, the people mocked and laughed. Abu Sa'id Khudri further narrates that I raised my head towards Abu Musa Ashari and said, Whatever punishment you receive for this, I will have an equal share of it, and I bear witness that you have spoken the truth. The narrator states, i.e. Abu Sa'id, that he went to Hazrat Umar and informed him of the saying of the Holy Prophet, Peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Hazrat Umar stated that very well, I was unaware of this hadith, but now I have come to know of it. Then there is a narration of Sahih Muslim in which Hazrat Abu Huraira relates that we were sitting in the company of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, along with Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar, as well as others. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, got up and left, but there was a delay in him returning. We feared that he may be in danger, and owing to this, we stood up and left. He states that I was the first to fear this, and so I left in search of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. I arrived at a garden that belonged to the Banu Najjar, and I circled the garden looking for the entrance, but was unable to find it. He then states, 
that I then saw a stream flowing inside the garden from a well outside, and so I crouched down like a fox, and entered the garden through the stream, and went to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, inquired, that is it Abu Huraira? To this I replied in the affirmative, and he then asked that what was the matter, to which I replied, that you were among us, after which you stood up and left, but there was a delay in you returning, and we feared you may be harmed. I was the first to worry, and so I followed you up to this garden, and I had to crouch like a fox to enter into the garden, and the others are following behind me. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, addressed me, saying, that O Abu Huraira, and then gave me his sandals, and stated, that take my sandals and inform whoever you meet outside this garden, that if they testify that there is none worthy of worship except Allah, and truly have this belief in their hearts, then give them glad tidings of paradise. Hazrat Abu Huraira further narrates, that when I went back, the first person I met was Umar, and he asked, O Abu Huraira, what are these sandals? I stated that these sandals belong to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and he has sent them with me as a sign to give glad tidings of paradise to the one who testifies that there is none worthy of worship except Allah and truly holds this belief in their hearts. Hazrat Abu Huraira further narrates that upon this, Hazrat Umar struck my chest in anger with great force and I fell on my back. Hazrat Umar then stated that, O Abu Huraira, go back, i.e. that there was no need to say anything to anyone. He states that I returned to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and was about to cry when Hazrat Umar came behind me. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, asked, O Abu Huraira, what is the matter? And I informed him that I met with Umar and told him about the message you had sent me with. But Umar struck me on my chest with such force that I fell backwards, and Umar then told me to return. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, asked, O Umar, why did you do such a thing? Hazrat Umar replied that, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, may my mother and father be sacrificed for you. Did you send Abu Huraira with your sandals and tell him to give glad tidings of paradise to the one who testifies that there is none worthy of worship except Allah and has firm belief in this? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied in the affirmative. Upon this, Hazrat Umar submitted that please do not do such a thing, for I fear that people will rely on this alone. In other words, it would be best to let them carry on performing virtuous deeds and acting on the commandments so that they become true believers. Otherwise, they will rely upon the declaration of there is none worthy of worship except Allah and will consider this to be sufficient in order to enter paradise. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that very well, leave it. Hazrat Umar thus had a very cautious approach. There is a narration in which it is mentioned that even Satan runs away from Umar. In Sahih Bukhari, it is narrated by Hazrat Saad bin Abi Waqas that Hazrat Umar bin Khattab sought permission from the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to enter inside. At the time, some women from the Quraysh were sitting in the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's company, and were speaking to him. And they were asking for more expenses, and their voices were louder than that of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's voice. When Hazrat Umar sought permission to enter, they quickly went behind a veil, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, permitted Hazrat Umar to enter. 
When Hazrat Umar entered, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was smiling. Hazrat Umar stated, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, may Allah always keep you smiling. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, that I am astonished by the women that were just here. When they heard your voice, they quickly retreated behind the veil. Upon this, Hazrat Umar submitted, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, however you are more worthy of being fed. Then, whilst addressing those women in a loud voice, Hazrat Umar stated that, O heedless women, are you intimidated by me and not the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him? The women replied, Indeed, because you are stern in nature and hard-hearted, whereas the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, is not. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that, Hear me, O son of Khattab, I swear by the one in whose hands is my life, whenever Satan crosses paths with you, he has most certainly diverged his path. Hazrat Aisha anha relates that once while the Holy Prophet peace be upon him was seated, we heard some commotion and the sounds of children. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him stood up and saw that there was an Abyssinian woman dancing while the children had gathered around her. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him stated that, O Aisha, come and see. I went and started to watch, placing my chin on the shoulder of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. And my chin was placed in between the head and the shoulder of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. He then asked me that have you seen enough? And I said not yet, because I wanted to see how much he cared about me. When Hazrat Umar arrived, everyone fled from around that woman. Hazrat Aisha continues that upon this the Holy Prophet peace be upon him stated that I see that the Satans of Jinn and man flee from Umar. Hazrat Aisha states that following this she returned from bed. Hazrat Bureda relates that once when the Holy Prophet peace be upon him returned from an expedition, a woman of dark complexion came and asked that, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, I took a vow that if Allah the Almighty brought you back to us in safety, I would sing and beat the drum before you. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that if you had taken a vow, then you may do so, otherwise you cannot. And so she began to beat the drum. When Hazrat Abu Bakr arrived, she continued to beat the drum. Then Hazrat Ali arrived, and she continued to beat the drum. And then Hazrat Usman arrived, and she continued to beat the drum. But when Hazrat Umar arrived, she placed the drum beneath her and sat on top of it. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that, O Umar, even Satan fears you. I was present and seated, yet she was still beating the drum. Abu Bakr came, Ali came, Usman came, yet she continued to beat the drum. However, O Umar, when you came, she put the drum away. The Promised Messiah states that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, told Hazrat Umar that if Satan crosses paths with him, then he diverges to a different path and fears him. Hence, this proves the fact that Satan fled from Hazrat Umar like one who is unmanly and disgraced. Then there is a narration regarding the fact that truth and serenity emanated from the tongue and heart of Hazrat Umar anhu. It is narrated by Hazrat Abdullah bin Umar that the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him once stated that Allah has caused the truth to flow from the tongue and heart of Umar. Hazrat Ibn Abbas relates from his brother Fazl who stated I heard the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him state 
that Umar bin al-Khattab accompanies me wherever I please and I accompany him wherever he pleases and after me wherever Umar bin al-Khattab will be the truth will be with him. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu once stated that we used to speak amongst each other about how serenity flows from the tongue and heart of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Muslim Aud radiallahu ta'ala anhu states that the Holy Prophet peace be upon him once addressed one of his wives and stated that prepare my provisions for a journey. And so she began to make preparations for his travels. He then told Hazrat Aisha to roast some seeds and grains for him as this is the kind of provisions that typically consisted of in those days. And so she began to sift out any dust or dirt from the seeds. Hazrat Abu Bakr came to visit his daughter at home and saw these preparations and inquired from Hazrat Aisha as to what was happening. Is the Holy Prophet preparing for a journey, he asked. She replied that it seems to be so because the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, told us to make preparations for travel. Hazrat Abu Bakr then inquired if there were plans for a battle she replied that I do not know. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, just told us to make preparations for travel and that is what we are doing. Then two or three days later, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, called upon Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar and told them how the men of God came and informed him about a certain incident that took place. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that God has informed me of the incident beforehand, that they, i.e. the people of Mecca, would commit treason and we have made a covenant with them and it would go against our faith to now become fearful and not prepare for combat after witnessing the bravery and strength of the Meccans. We will have to go there. So what is your opinion on the matter? Hazrat Abu Bakr submitted that, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, you have entered into a covenant with them and they are your own people. In other words, would he fight against his own people? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that we will not fight our people, but we will fight those who have violated the covenant. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then asked Hazrat Umar, who submitted that in Allah's name, I would pray every day that we might see this day when we could fight the disbelievers in defense of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that Abu Bakr is very soft-natured, but Umar is more frequent in speaking straightforwardly. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, continued, then make preparations. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then had an announcement made in the surrounding tribes that everyone who believes in Allah and his Messenger, peace be upon him, should congregate in Medina in the beginning days of Ramadan. Thus they started to gather to the extent that an army enumerating many thousands of men was organized and they set out for war. Regarding the excellence of Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar, Hazrat Abu Sayyid Khudri narrates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that from among the Illiyin, i.e. the loftiest people, one will gaze at the dwellers of paradise and due to his countenance, the whole of paradise will glow and radiate as though it were a shining star. And Abu Bakr and Umar are among those people. Both are such excellent people. Abu Usman narrates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, appointed Hazrat Amr bin al-As as the commander of the army for the battle of Zatul Salasal. This is a place approximately a day's journey away from Medina and this is according to the mode of travel in that time. It is the name of a well in the region of the tribe of Juzam, further out from the valley of Al-Qura. Hazrat Amr states that when I returned to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, I asked him who is the most beloved to him, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied Aisha. I then asked who is the most beloved to him amongst the men, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied the father of Aisha. 
I then asked who was after him, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, Umar, and he then proceeded to name other men. Hazrat Anas relates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would come out and sit with his companions from among the Muhajireen and the Ansar, and among them were Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar, but none of them would raise their glance to look at the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, except Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar. Both of them would look at the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and smile, and in turn he would look at the two of them and smile. Hazrat Ibn Umar relates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, once came out and entered the mosque with Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhumah. One of them was to his right side and the other to his left, and he had hold of their hand, and he stated that this is how we shall be raised on the Day of Judgment. Abdullah bin Hantab relates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, once saw Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhumah and stated that they are both eyes and ears. Hazrat Jabir bin Abdullah relates that Hazrat Umar said to Hazrat Abu Bakr that O ye who is the best man after the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him. Thereupon Hazrat Abu Bakr replied that if this is what you say, then I tell you that I heard the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, state that the sun has not set upon anyone greater than Umar. Hazrat Ibn Umar narrates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that I am the first person for whom the earth shall be rent asunder, followed by Abu Bakr, then Umar. Then I shall go to the dwellers of Baqi, and they shall be raised with me. And then I shall wait for the people of Makkah until I shall be raised between the two holy cities. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud relates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that one of the dwellers of paradise is coming to you. And Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu then came. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then once more said that one of the dwellers of paradise is coming to you, after which Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu came. Hazrat Anas narrates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said with regards to Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar, that these two are the chiefs of all the elders of paradise from among its first and its last people, except for the prophets and messengers. Hazrat Huzaifa relates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that after me follow both Abu Bakr and Umar. Hazrat Abu Sayyid Khudri narrates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that every prophet has two viziers in heaven and two viziers in the earth. And my two viziers in heaven are Jibrail and Mikail, and my two viziers on earth are Abu Bakr and Umar. Hazrat Huzaifa relates that we were sat with the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, when he stated, that I do not know for how long I shall remain among you, therefore you must follow these two after me. And he then indicated towards Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar. Hazrat Abu Bakr relates that one day the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, asked, that who among you has seen a dream? One person replied that I saw that a scale had descended from the sky and it weighed both yourself and Hazrat Abu Bakr and you were heavier in the scales than him. Then Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar were weighed and Hazrat Abu Bakr was heavier in the scales. Then Hazrat Umar and Hazrat Usman were weighed and Hazrat Umar was heavier in the scales and then the scale was taken away. The narrator states that we then saw signs of displeasure on the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's countenance. In another narration, it is mentioned that after hearing the dream, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that this is the Khilafat after prophethood, 
and thereafter Allah shall grant monarchy to whoever he pleases. Abdekhair relates that Hazrat Ali was standing at the pulpit and stated, O people, shall I not tell you of the best person in this ummah after the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him? People replied in the affirmative. Upon this, Hazrat Ali stated that it is Abu Bakr. He then remained silent for a short while before saying, O people, shall I not tell you of the best person in the Summa after Hazrat Abu Bakr? It is Umar. Abu Juhayva states that he heard Hazrat Ali state that the best among this Ummah after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is Abu Bakr and then Umar. These accounts shall continue in the future, inshallah, and the accounts from the life of Hazrat Umar will continue for some time. Now I shall mention some deceased members whose funeral prayers in absentia I shall lead after the Friday prayer. The first mention is of respected Kamran Ahmed Sahib Shaheed, son of Nasir Ahmed Sahib of Peshawar. On 9th November, opponents opened fire on him in his office and martyred him. Inna lillahi wa inna ilahi rajiun. Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. The deceased was 44 years age at the time of his martyrdom and he was working as an accountant in a factory owned by an Ahmadi, respected Shafiq Rahman Sahib. An armed person entered his office and opened fire, as a result of which he was struck by four bullets and was martyred on the scene. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Verily, to Allah we belong, and to him shall we return. The assailant then fled after the incident. Ahmadiyyat was established in the family of the deceased martyr through his father, respected Nasir Ahmad Sahib's maternal grandfather, Hazrat Nabi Bakhsh Sahib, son of Fateh Deen Sahib of Bini Banga, which is near Qadiyan. He performed the bath at the blessed hand of the promised Messiah in 1902 and entered into the fold of Ahmadiyyat. A short while ago, the deceased martyr bought a store with his brother and made it into an office. However, the landlord of the store evicted them on a single day's notice, only because they were Ahmadi. Thereafter, he renamed the roundabout near it as Khatme Nabuwat Roundabout. Then, after they purchased another store nearby, opponents rioted and evicted them from that store as well. And then in October, a large demonstration was held near their house and inflammatory speeches against the Jamaat were made. They say that they had never seen such a large demonstration before that and severe hatred against the Jamaat was spread in that area. For several years, the deceased martyr was the accountant for a private company, but due to opposition, he asked to leave that position. Upon this, the company told him that his standard and integrity was so high that they did not wish to let him go and that he should continue going to them even if it was just for a few minutes. And when they learned of his martyrdom, they were deeply affected by it. The deceased martyr possessed many great qualities. His father states that once he arrived home late and I asked him that why he had returned home so late. Upon this, he stated that there was a lady from the family of an opponent of the Jamaat who needed blood and so he gave his own blood. He stated that he did so because that family was not financially well off and so they had no other options. He then stated that they have their own standards and we have ours. He would always be at the forefront of serving others. He would be the first one present when it came to rendering any service or duty for the Jamaat 
and would take it upon himself to stand guard in the areas where there was greater threat of danger. Whenever someone would suggest to him that he should migrate, he would say that if we leave from here, then Ahmadis who have less means will be made to face even more hardships. He was exemplary in offering chanda, and he would pay his financial contributions at the earliest possible time. Once, when he was 12 or 13 years of age, he was apprehended and taken into custody by the police for distributing leaflets about a prayer duel and was released the next day. His father states that he saw a dream two days before his martyrdom in which an elderly lady was cleaning his house and stated that Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih the fourth rahimahullah was coming. A little while later, Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih the fourth rahimahullah arrived and took hold of the deceased martyr's hand and very lovingly stated that we will remain together and you will remain by my side. By the grace of Allah the Almighty, he was part of the Vasiyat scheme. He was tender-hearted and loved by everyone in his area. He was very virtuous, sympathetic to the poor and had a deep love for Khilafat. He is survived by his parents, his father Nasir Ahmed Saib, and his mother, his wife, and three children who are aged 13, 11 and 8. May Allah the Almighty be the protector and helper of these children and may he grant everyone forbearance and patience. May Allah the Almighty also grant the deceased with his forgiveness and mercy and elevate his station. Pray for his mother as well who is suffering from cancer. May Allah the Almighty bestow his blessings. The next mention is of Dr. Mirza Nubair Ahmed and his wife Aisha Amber Said Saiba, both of whom passed away due to an accident in Milwaukee, USA. Dr. Mirza Nubair Ahmed was 35 years of age at the time of his demise. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. His great paternal grandfather was Hazrat Deputy Mia Muhammad Sharif Sahib radiyallahu who was a companion of the Promised Messiah and his grandmother was the daughter of Master Abdul Rahman Sahib His great maternal grandfather was also a companion of the Promised Messiah Hence there were many companions of the Promised Messiah in his family. He moved to America in 2012 and he joined the Vasiyat scheme at the age of 17. He was serving as the Qaid Majlis Khuddam al And among the members in the local Jamaat, it is said that he was one of the people who offered the most amount towards purchasing a new building for the Milwaukee Mosque. He is survived by his father Mirza Nasir Ahmed Saib, who is currently the Secretary Amur Amma in Islamabad, and his mother who is the Regional Sadr Lajna in Islamabad, and his sister Nadia and two brothers. His wife, Aisha Ambar, was also with him and passed away. She was the daughter of Sayyid Sajjad Shah Sahib of Japan and the sister of our missionary Sayyid Ibrahim, who is currently serving in Japan. <laughs> 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 
Ahmadiyyat was established in their family through Sayyid Abdul Rahim Shah Sahib of Bagla when he did bad at the hand of Hazrat Muslim Maud in 1930. And as I mentioned earlier, that Aisha Amreen was in an accident along with her husband and she passed away two days later. She was an active team member of MTA International and she would also do the live Japanese translation of my sermons and then would also do the subtitling in Japanese. She is survived by her father, Sayyid Sajjad Ahmed, her mother, Sayyid Dure Samin Sayyid, and three brothers and a sister. Her brother Ibrahim Sahib, who is a missionary in Japan, states that she helped me in many of my Jamaat duties. She helped me in translating Lecture Lahore and Our God into Japanese. And although she had studied pharmacy, I would be astonished at how high her standard of translation was. Her elder sister Fatima states that I happened to come across her diary and each page was divided into two topics. One would be titled My Worldly Life and the other would be titled My Spiritual Life. The worldly page was dedicated to her day-to-day activities and worldly endeavours while the spirituality page was dedicated to matters of spirituality and notes regarding the Jamaat and religious knowledge. She had beautifully written on each page and with great care. She pondered over every word of the Khalifa of the time and acted upon them and then would advise her sister and brothers to do the same in a special way. She also shared the teachings of Islam with her Japanese friends. May Allah the Almighty grant both the deceased with his forgiveness and mercy and elevate their stations. The next mention is of Chaudhary Nasir Ahmed Sahib, who was serving as the Secretary of Finance in the Karachi Clifton Jamaat. He was the son of Chaudhary Nasir Ahmed Sahib of Rabwa, and he passed away at the age of 69. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Verily to Allah we belong, and to him shall we return. At the time of his demise, he was leading his wife and brother-in-law in the Fajr prayer, and it was during the prostration in the second rakat of the prayer that his heart stopped, and he returned to Allah the Almighty. By the grace of Allah the Almighty, he was a Musi. And the promised Messiah والسلام, has said that passing away whilst praying is an honourable demise. His father, Chaudhary Nazir Ahmed Sahib, was also able to serve the community for 25 years after his retirement, serving as the Naib Nazir Zarat and Vakil Zarat. His younger brother, Chaudhary Naim Ahmed Sahib, is the current Afsar Khazan of the Anjuman. He is survived by his wife, Nusrat Nasir Sahiba, and he did not have any children. He moved to Karachi in 1972, where he worked, and he was able to serve the community in various capacities there, and he rendered extraordinary services. May Allah the Almighty grant him his forgiveness and mercy. The next mention is of Sardara Bibi Sahiba, wife of Chaudhary Nabi Baksh Sahib, of Darul Rahmat Gharbi Rabwa, she passed away recently. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Verily, to Allah we belong, and to Him shall we return. They were originally from Patankot district, Gurdaspur, 
and then migrated to Pakistan, first to Sialkot and then to Sindh. Her parents and entire family are Shia. When she converted to Ahmadiyyat along with her family in 1949, her parents said that her husband had become a disbeliever and that she should return home. She did not accept Ahmadiyyat with the family, rather it was with her husband and the rest of her family did not accept Ahmadiyyat. And they said to her that since her husband had become a disbeliever and so she should leave him. Upon this she replied to her family stating that it is now that I have become a true Muslim. With you I used to only offer the Fajr prayer, whereas now not only do I offer all five daily prayers but I also regularly offer the Tahajjud prayers. Therefore I will not come back to you. And even when she met her parents after 14 years, they were still cold towards her. And despite this, their hearts never softened and they never went to meet her. She truly loved the community. She was devoted to Khilafat. She tended to the poor, was extremely virtuous and sincere. She was a Musiya and is survived by three sons and four daughters. Her eldest son, Dr. Abdul Rahim Sahib, was able to serve in Sierra Leone for five years under the Nusrat Jahan scheme. And her youngest son, Abdul Khalik Nayir Sahib, is a missionary currently serving in Cameroon. He is the missionary in charge there as well as the Amir. And due to his services in the field, he was unable to attend his mother's funeral. May Allah the Almighty grant everyone patience and forbearance. And may Allah the Almighty elevate the deceased station. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Nahmadu, and a Sainu, and a Safiru, and a Menobi, and a Tokalo, and a Zubillah, him in Shurim for Seno, Omin وَمَن يُضْلِلْنُ فَلَا هَادِيَ لَهُ وَنَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَنَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ إِبْعَادُ اللَّهِ رَحِمَكُمُ اللَّهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُ بِالْعَدْلِ وَالْإِحْسَانِ وَيَنْهَوْنَ <laughs> الْفَاشَاءِ